Attention Life Tips listeners, looking for better ways to become better, smarter, faster, and wiser? Well, listening to Life Tips is a great start, but how about if we gave you an easier way to listen? Introducing the WebmasterRadio.fm mobile app, now available for iPhone and Android. Listen to Life Tips and even more programs that will help you build to a better health, wealth, and lifestyle. Download the WebmasterRadio.fm mobile app in the iTunes Store or in Google Play today. Feeling better? Looking better? Making life better? It's Life Tips. We'll explore the latest innovations, introduce you to the latest products, and bring you the tips from experts and environmental pioneers to help you lead a better life. Life Tips. Making your life smarter better, faster, wiser. Here are your hosts. Welcome back to the Life Tips Show, everyone. Byron White here with Jim Beach. Jim, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Pleasure. You're the author of School for Startups, and you have an illustrious background, which would take about 20 minutes to run through, but let's start with School for Startups. What was your inspiration for writing that book a few years ago that was published by McGraw-Hill? Well, I had just started teaching entrepreneurship at the local downtown university, and I was telling the students that I thought entrepreneurship was really easy, and they said, no, Jim, it's really hard. I said, no, it's pretty easy. And I backed myself into making a bet that I could start a business in any country and in any industry, and that before the end of the semester, I could make that business profitable, and that the class got to choose the country and the industry that I would start the, the business in. And so that's what I did. I actually, uh, we selected a business. And uh, over the several semesters that I did that, it started to gain some notoriety. And so McGraw-Hill said that they would like to publish a book that sort of encapsulated those stories and presented our thesis that anyone could be an entrepreneur. Hmm. What was that business you started? Tell us about that. Well, the class, this was right after 9-11. I think the class was trying to be funny. So they selected Pakistan and furniture, and I had three months to build a Pakistani furniture company. (laughs) Tell us about the success of that venture. Well, you can go online right now and look at it. It's called TimelessChair.com. It was a beautiful, beautiful product that... Uh, we could sell for a great margin. We were able to take uh, old Killam Persian rugs, cut them up, and use them as the fabric on a traditional-looking American armchair. And it was a very niche product, but the class wasn't, you know, they didn't realize something. that, And this is an important thing, that by minimizing my investment and by spending very, very, very little money, it was easy for me to win the bet. All I had to do was sell one product to win the bet because my investment in the beginning was so, so, so very small. And so that's one of the lessons that we try to you know, teach in the book is don't start a business with a lot of money. Hmm. Tell us a little bit. That, very cool, by the way. And, and glad you won the bet. And um, I'm looking at the website right now, and it, it's, it's actually kind of interesting. Has this has this done anything? Is it is it have you sold more than one? Oh uh, no, it was not a long term thing. Uh, you know, we did do it for a while enough to win the bet and move the merchandise. But after that, I did not choose to pursue it. It wasn't something that interested me. 
it's pretty far out. So you took oriental rugs, basically, and 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 those images that I'm looking at on this page were those actually built and created, or those sort of photoshopped in, if you will? No, those are a real product. Every single wow. one of those exists somewhere in the world right now. <laughs> Did you sell them in Pakistan then, or was the business started as if it was a Pakistani business no, selling to the U.S. market? It was designed from the very beginning to be sold in the United States. So we could you know, imagine this. We would have a little child who would go into a flea market, take pictures, we would then, from those pictures, tell the child which carpets to purchase. He would take them back to his father's carpet shop, and then they built the furniture there. The sh furniture would be put in a box and sent to us at Charleston. And when the boat got in Charleston, we would have about a $450 product all in, including shipping costs. And as you can see, if you're looking at the website, one share would sell for $2,200. Some of them were $1,800. So we had a very large margin because the product was such a unique niche product, which is another lesson we like. The smaller your niche, the better you'll do. And here's a very small niche, but you know what? It was a unique product that sold because nothing else in the world existed like it. Tell us about the spirit of entrepreneurialism uh, right now from your perspective. Is it, and you have some very interesting approaches to, to being an entrepreneur. You know, you, your, your initial premise here is um, that entrepreneurship is not about creativity, risk, or passion. What is your book suggesting it is about, and why isn't it about those things? Well, if you go back and study the Fortune 500, 430 of them were started for under $1,000. Uh, you don't have to take a financial risk. Great businesses don't need money to start at the beginning. There's lots of ways that you can change that. You don't necessarily have to be creative. I you know, I've, uh, mentioned, let's say, Hyatt, Hilton, uh, all sorts of businesses where there are many, many competitors in one space. That doesn't prevent you from also going into that space. So creativity is not important either. Just go find uh, a problem and solve it. You don't need to be creative to do that. You could go on Google and type in business ideas to start. So creativity is not relevant. And passion, I think, should be reserved for your family and the things that you do. I would propose that I'm passionate about my lifestyle, passionate about the freedom that I have, and that I could do a lot of things to sell, you know, make money so that I have time to do the things I am passionate about, which is take my family to Disney. You know, no one's going to pay me to do that. They'll pay me to do other things which allow me to you know, have a really great lifestyle. So I don't think you're right. I don't think that entrepreneurship is about the traditional trio of things. I think entrepreneurship, very simply, is people that go solve problems on limited budgets. And I would ask you, Byron, do you have any problems I didn't hear that question, actually. You got broken up just in the end. It I'm, seemed like a good one. Do you have any problems? Do you personally have any problems? Oh, yes, indeed. Big, and big do, believer. Do, in. do you know anyone with problems? Absolutely. Well, then, it therefore, like you, you qualify to be an entrepreneur, then. That's all <laughs> it takes. That's all it takes. You have the official license now. I've given you permission. And so now all it takes is to identify a problem, and you will gladly 
pay people to make problems go away. I don't like it when I hurt, so I go to the doctor and I pay him to make my pain go away. I don't like to walk long distances, so I pay people for cars. Things like that, you know. Uh, I'll pay you to make my problems go away. That's what entrepreneurship is about. Is the philosophy in your mind the, the bigger the problem, the, the easier it is to enter the marketplace? Oh, I don't know about that. Uh, I, I've never really thought about that. That's a very good, unique question. I would, I would say, though, not necessarily. Sometimes, you know, the government or other people, you know, some of our biggest problems right now are, say, transportation. I don't think that that is easily solved without some sort of technology breakthrough. However, healthcare, I do believe, is a, a situation that $1 million would solve the entire industry. And so, yes, I think that in some situations, the huge problems can be solved very small and interesting ways. Sometimes, unfortunately, not. I'll give you an example of both. Transportation, we're not going to solve. But healthcare, we could. Healthcare is going to get solved in the very near future. Uh, just watch. Hmm. I want to take a station break for just one second. I'm going to try to clear up your line a little bit while we do that. Back in just a minute, everyone. Life Tips will be right back after this short break. Building better search engine rankings takes the right formula. Tracking those rankings is super simple. All you need is authoritylabs.com. Authority Labs uses automated daily rank tracking tools to monitor your site's performance or leverage their API to build your own tools. No matter what animal-labeled algorithms affect your ranking, you should be using Authority Labs. Unlimited users for no additional cost and white labeling can help keep your clients updated and save countless hours of creating reports. Whether you're running sites with just a few or millions of keywords, what you need is AuthorityLabs.com. I'm John Ball, and I'm one of the founders of Page One Power. Page One Power is a custom link building firm based in Boise, Idaho. We increase search rankings and web traffic for world-class brands and mom-and-pop shops all around the globe. Our link building strategies work because we focus on relevancy and quality, and we don't outsource anything. Our in-house staff of professional writers and researchers is the best in the industry. We're the link builders you've been looking for. Visit us today at pageonepower.com. Oh, yeah. My day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use certifiedknowledge.org. Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google help files. Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. Hi, I'm Brett Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. The largest event in digital marketing, AdTech New York 2013, returns to the Javits Center in New York City, November 6th and 7th. WebmasterRadio.fm listeners get 20% off registration by using promo code NY13WMR20. Meet over 9,000 marketing and technology professionals from all over the world. Experience two action-packed days with keynotes, education led by digital marketing's best and brightest, hundreds of leading-edge suppliers, nonstop networking, and so much more. 
Plus, AdTech New York 2013 will again feature the Startup Spotlight Series, featuring startups with promising services and technologies for brands and marketers in the digital space vying for the coveted AdTech Innovation Award. Register right now for AdTech New York 2013 by going to na.adtech.com/ny or click on the banners on the webmasterradio.fm website for 20% off your conference pass. That's na.ad-tech.com/ny. And now back to life tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, and wiser. Here are your hosts. Welcome back to the show, Jim. Pleasure to have you on today. Thank you so much for having me. So, Jim, let's talk about the word school when it comes to school for startups, the name of your book. Is the book want to feel like it's really an educational uh, guide, guide, if you will, to how to make it work? Well, I, I hope it does do that for people. You know, we propose very simple rules that are very easy to understand with clear action items, and I think that if they follow this more or less step-by-step procedure that we do believe that anyone can start a successful business. Now, let me say one caveat. It's important. We're not trying to build billion-dollar businesses, not even million-dollar businesses. We're just trying to make $100,000. Maybe that's enough to really change your life. You know, Certainly it is. My wife started a business last Christmas that now makes $2,000 a month profit for our house, $2,000 a month profit. That's a mortgage payment, a car payment. That changes our lifestyle. Again, I, don't, I want to let people know that that's what we're talking about, not necessarily you know, becoming a millionaire. We can do that too, but that's not our focus. Start mm-hmm. small, grow steadily, and do things in a more common sense way is what we believe. Have you looked at the at the at the surge of uh, interest in entrepreneurship that's kind of sweeping the country right now? Could you talk about that? Do you have any data on that, Jim? Well, I certainly see that. You know, it's uh, at every level. You see it primarily in colleges. Twenty years ago, there was zero entrepreneurship classes. Now you have every university in the United States has not only an entrepreneurship major, but usually an entrepreneurship center. Uh, People want to study it. The interesting thing, though, is that the level of entrepreneurship has not changed at all, that so many people are taught about entrepreneurship but still go off and get a job as someone else, you know, working for someone. So unfortunately, we know for a fact that the level of entrepreneurship in the United States has been between 10 and 11% since 1993 and has not changed at all. It just doesn't change. So uh, we can do as much as we want to educate people, but it's hard to change the overall, you know, inertia of some people. I have a job right now. I'm satisfied with that. So why should I start a business? Those people are hard to get to change. Interesting. Yeah, that's that's a that's a very revealing stat that the percentage levels have not increased. Hasn't unemployment though, and the higher rates of unemployment we've seen in the last couple of years, uh, you know, attracted entrepreneurs to start their own business and do their own thing? Yes, but those are actually bad entrepreneurs. There's a big distinction. There's necessity entrepreneurship, and then opportunity 
entrepreneurship. If I see an opportunity in the marketplace and go solve a problem, that's great. That's called opportunity. But if I have to start a business just to support myself out of necessity, that's not necessarily good, and that's replacing some other form of income out of the economy somewhere, and that's not a good situation, and we don't hope for that. And that's, uh, you know, would be the very stereotypical example would be uh, if you travel to a third-world country and see a child selling oranges on the side of a street, you know, that's uh, necessity entrepreneurship at its lowest level. And so we don't really like to see that. Uh, the fact that you lost a job and then therefore have to go start a business is sad. It's depressing. It's more encouraging to say, hey, I started a business while I still had a job, while I still have benefits, and was able to quit the job at a time of my own choosing. That's what we try to do. What about the success rate of, of startups, Jim? How has that changed, and, and, and how is your book helping with that? Well, overall in the macro world, it has not changed. Most businesses fail. And if you look at the you know, industry sector, you know, particularly restaurants, something like 95% of new businesses fail. And it's always the same reason, because they spend too much money. So in our book, we try to say the exact opposite. And there's a story in our book of a guy named Joey Tatum who wanted to own a bar and a restaurant and only had $5,000. So he started a bar with $5,000. You can imagine it was a dump. It was a dive. Well, you know what? 20 years later, it's still a dump and a dive, but it's also called a cash cow, and it just churns money. That's a better than the guy who goes across the street and starts a bar for $3 million. Think about how many beers you have to sell to repay all that brass brewing equipment and all that fancy woodwork and stuff. And so we're hoping that by changing perceptions and bringing reality back and saying, you know what, we heard about this guy who got $20 million to start a business. Well, that's not normal. That's like Joe Montana winning five Super Bowls. It just doesn't happen to that many people. So let's be realistic. If you want to be an entrepreneur, set aside $5,000 and no more. That limits your risk. It increases your chances of success unbelievably. And it makes it much more possible to do. You can get five thousand dollars together. You're not going to get five million. Hmm. You know, it seems to me like a lot of what you're telling us today centers around money, and overspending is probably one of the biggest evils. Um, assessing risk, of course, helps with money management. Um, but can you talk a little bit about at least some of the other secret sauce that you think is critical? other than money and profitability, um, you know, sure. what are, are some of the secret sauces that are required? And I get the problem-solving element, and I get the lean and mean attitude, but, you know, can you, can you talk a little bit about some of the other things and how you put it together to make it work? We do have very concrete ideas about that as well. Uh, let's go back to the chair example. You could have thought that if I was trying to sell these beautiful chairs that the marketplace would be huge, right? Anyone who has a nice house would be in the market for these beautiful chairs, I think. Anyone who ever bought a rug, right? A lot of houses in upscale neighborhoods have rugs. We didn't decide to do that. That would have been really expensive to market to everybody. So instead, 
we selected 5,000 customers and said, we're going to market to 5,000 customers only. We tried to get the upscale interior decorators, the people who would tell thousands of other people about our products. And all we did to market these chairs is before they were sent from Pakistan, we had pictures taken. We put pictures on postcards, and we mailed the postcards to interior decorators' offices. That's all we did. We spent, I don't know, $500 on postage and on the cards themselves, and that was it. That was my entire investment. But again, by having such a tiny, tiny, narrow, narrow niche, I was able to focus my sales on the absolute people who would buy it. I didn't try to convince all of the rich doctors and lawyers and dentists that this would look great in their house. I tried to convince their interior decorator. And instead of going to a mass market, sometimes, very counterintuitively, your best solution is to say, I'm only going to market to 100 customers. I'm going to know them by name, especially if you're in a business-to-business situation. Don't try to market to the entire world. Try to market to five people. I've selected five customers. Go to them and say, you have been selected as one of my five customers that I'm going to work with in the beginning. It's a really different way to do it, but a lot of times that's the sort of thing that gets you business and notice when you're a beginning startup entrepreneur. I love those sort of crazy things. Hmm. A lot of it then might just be selecting ideas, Jim, right, and, you know, to, to focus on. Wouldn't you agree that that's really where the smart calculations come into play with, with managing success or failure probability? Well, you, you said something very weird. You, you're, you're still using the old-timey mindset. You said select an opportunity. I, would, I wouldn't even think about it that way. I'm finding a problem, and the problem selects itself. All I'm doing is looking for problems that I can solve and make money at. So if I look at a problem, transportation, I still haven't figured out how to make money solving that problem until I invent a car that doesn't use gas. I'm not qualified to do that. But can I look at some other problem and figure out how to solve it? Ooh, yeah, I did. Daycare. I don't understand daycare. I can make a better daycare. You know, a daycare that's charged by the hour as opposed by the day, that's something that I can do that's an improvement on the current system that is very achievable. So, you know, that's uh, what we're trying to say, you know, focus on. Don't worry about creativity. Don't worry about risk. And instead, try to find an opportunity it's already there. You know, you're not selecting. You're saying, problem, ooh, I have a solution. That's the different approach. You see how I'm trying to propose an entirely different approach from the very beginning? I get that, um, you know, but I still have questions about, about no matter what. Sure. I mean, you know, look, there could be ten problems that I'm, I'm interested in solving, right? And the point is to do your homework and to figure out, which of the 10 solutions that you feel could you, you could bring to the table, which ones you should focus on? I mean, it, well, it's me, constant decision-making, you know, when let you're me, not let there, me, particularly let once me you, even, Yeah, go let ahead. Let me respond to just that before you go on. I disagree. If I had, let's narrow it down to three to make it more manageable. If I had three possible business opportunities, problems to solve, I would try to spend 
an equal amount of time on each one solving that, getting out of the marketplace and selling it and selling it and selling it. And the first one that I sold would be my business. The marketplace has decided for me that I am best at selling B, not A or C. I've worked for two months to sell A, B, and C equally, and you know what? B sold to somebody. The marketplace decided that that was my best solution. Again, I'm going to let the market show me the problem, and then I'm going to let the market test my solution and see how good my solution solves the problem. If my problem is solved, you know, if I, my solution solves the problem, it's going to sell in the marketplace. The market makes the decision, not me. Is that crazy? It makes sense. I, I get it. Um, you know, and, and have you thought about taking concepts like A-B testing and multivariant testing to entrepreneurs early in your recommendations? You know, I I have not because I don't want to get it too complicated. I want to, I think that the rules we're proposing are about as advanced as your average stay-at-home parent who hasn't had a job in the last 10 years can handle. And so we don't try to get any more advanced than that. Uh, one of my friends read the book and said, you know, your average ninth grader could understand this. And I was like, thank you for the compliment. So we're trying to go for that, that level. In the end of the day, who do you want to pick up your book and, and follow you online? And how can people get a hold of you and your book? Well, I appreciate that. I want anyone who wants to change their life to read the book. You know, it's, $9 on Kindle, and if you uh, buy the $9 version, there's a code at the back that gets you 80 hours of online videos. It's everything my co-author and I have to present about entrepreneurship. It's everything we know. And we just want people to go on Amazon, buy the book, learn how to be an entrepreneur, spend $9 with us, and you will change your life forever. My wife started the business Christmas makes $2,000 a month profit now. That's pretty sexy where I come from. It's so a great story. It can be done. Anyone can do it. It's a great story, and it's a great spirit. We can tell with your enthusiasm that you can, you can make this work for people. Um, one of the final questions is, how do, how do you want people to get a hold of you? Uh, I'll give you my email address if I'm allowed to. My Twitter handle is at entrepreneur Jim at entrepreneur Jim and my email is james.beach at att.net terrific well I want to thank you for being on the show today Jim thanks so much thank you so much for having me right on This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program 
are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.